Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Megan McCoy. Megan, are you ready to do this? I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let, let's, let, let's do this. Megan is a PhD. She is an M, an LMFT, a CFT, CFT-1. <laughs> what, is, what is that one, Megan? Yes, a certified financial therapist. So they just created the initials, I think, uh, about a year and a half ago. Got it. Um, so trying to create um, rules and regulation over financial therapy, which is still rather unknown and new. So I'm just showing off how, uh, how, how prepared I am or showing off just how exactly bad my handwriting is because I wasn't able to read that. <laughs> Megan is the director of the master's program for, uh, for personal financial planning at Kansas State University. Again, Megan, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, and I, I reached out because I was super excited to learn about the uh, the financial therapy program and the financial therapy association, and and I butchered that part of the introduction. So anyway, Megan, tell us tell us. <laughs> yes, tell us a little bit about a uh, little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, so I went to be a therapist. I wanted to help people had that kind of save the world complex that many twenty year olds do. And when I started doing therapy full-time, I was like, I don't have enough skills. So I went back to a PhD thinking that I would get more skills, and that is not what a PhD is. So I was kind of floundering around in my PhD in family therapy saying, I don't know if I want to do this. And the first or second ever financial therapy conference came to town, and I looked at it and I said, oh, my gosh, my clients need this. I need this. I need to know more. And I've just been consuming since. Um, so my my definition of financial therapy is simply how we can use money to unlock our well-being. So any kind of intersection between money and individual, mental health, financial, uh, relational well-being, all that mixed up together in kind of a very loose lens. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And you are 100% correct that uh, that, that there's all, all of these intersections and it makes sense to me that 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 we should take an integrated approach to helping people and 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 I, I think that this idea of or this practice of financial therapy it really kind of hits all those hit, hit, hits hits all those notes. So, um, walk me through a little bit about how it's different than working with a traditional financial person, financial advisor, whatever it might be. So the Financial Therapy Association is working towards creating a new profession, but at K-State, our financial therapy program is not something you are, but rather something you do. So we teach financial planners how to do financial therapy, which can look different dependent on your comfort level, your firm's comfort level, and even your client's comfort level. Um, at the end of the day, I think financial therapy is just a continuation of where we've been going with client-centered trainings like um, life planning and money quotient. It is going deeper, asking the right questions, understanding resistance as a um, as a something that we should recognize rather there's something we should fight and so on and so forth. And another thing that's so great about financial therapy in terms of financial planning is that 
we are trained to work with families as family therapists, and that's what the origins of financial therapy was. And y'all work with families all the time. You have couples sitting in front of you. You have multiple generations in, in, in front of you sometimes. And that's what financial therapy aids with. Yeah, well... That certainly does make sense, and and, and and going deeper and asking the right questions. Um, how 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 are people receiving it? I I, I can't imagine people say no. We're 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 not going to do this. We uh, don't see value in this. <laughs> yes, I think you know. I think that there's always some hesitation about the word therapy. So I always say, you know, hmm. take a step back and think about physical therapy, massage therapy, what you're doing is therapizing your past relationship with money. It doesn't mean you are going to be a psychologist. It doesn't mean that you are going to make your client lay on a couch and talk about their dreams. It simply means instead of being solely forward facing, that you do reflect on the past. And at least at Kansas State, we spend a lot of time talking about when to make referrals, where are the limits or the scope of competence, and how to introduce it to clients in a way that um, may not deter them, but actually make them say, oh, this is a value add. Yeah, got it. And I imagine that there are probably people that, that if they've never been comfortable asking or going sort of the, to those second levels or third levels um, and asking about feelings and stuff like that, then then they might say, well, no, this probably isn't for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm helping them with their investments. <laughs> and that's okay too. You can always make a referral to a financial therapist, but I got to tell you this, there's some interesting studies that show that just by helping a couple's financial health, you can help their relational health because by reducing the financial strain, they're going to fight less is what research shows us. So you are already doing couples work by accident, by being a good financial planner. And another cool thing is a bunch of wonderful researchers at Georgia um, did this study and found that men especially were so much more comfortable going to a financial therapist when they were having couple problems than they were going to a mental health professional. So even just giving them a safe space and not going farther than uh, let's talk a little bit about money conflict and not any further, you could be helping people who would not ever seek help from anybody else. Yeah, that's really interesting right there, that mental health has definitely a, a stigma around it that I think is is lessening and has certainly lessened during during COVID, but and not mental health problems have certainly not lessened during COVID. I think that those have exacerbated and gotten a lot worse, but conversations around it and um, accessing it, I think, is probably less stigmatized, but that, 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 that's interesting. I don't know that I would have guessed that, 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 that men would have been, that, that, that your findings would have been what they were, but now that I think about it, I think that, that that's interesting. So yeah, this is an opportunity for people to, to maybe dip their foot in the water when it comes to, to therapy and, 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 and mental health and become more comfortable having these kinds of conversations because we all have shame around money or relationships or something, right? Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's people always say opposites attract, but that's just true. Research shows over and over again, we seek out partners who are very similar to us in our religion and our politics and yada, 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 except for when it comes to money. Then we find we, we are attracted to our opposite. So it's the only area in our couplehood that many of us are opposite in and are trying to navigate. And, and so there's a lot of stress there in trying to speak two different languages. 
Yeah. Something that, that, that I, I, when, when I was getting ready for our conversation today, I saw on your LinkedIn page, um, you talked about locus of control. And that really resonates with me, this idea that, that I have control over the outcomes in my life versus outside forces. How does that, how, how do you think about that in, 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 in terms of what you're doing now? Yeah, so a lot of my research focuses on what's called financial self-efficacy, which I, I see is strongly related to locus of control. And self-efficacy sometimes is um, at analogy to confidence, but it's more than confidence. It's not just saying I'm, go I'm good at finances. It's that when a problem comes up around finances, you approach the problem rather than avoid it. And I think that combination of locus control and financial self-efficacy is the root of all financially healthy behaviors. You can tell somebody all day what they should do, but if they don't feel like they are capable or if they're scared of it or if there's anxiety, Anxiety coming up, they are not going to be able to use their frontal lobe and and do the behavior they know is right. Yeah, well, I think that that, that hits the nail on the head right there. So financial self efficacy, it's a matter of just recognizing that when a problem comes up, I'm going to address it. I'm going to take positive action towards solving that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Great analogy is me and technology. There are some programs or platforms that I feel very comfortable in. Like if a problem happens on Zoom, then I'll say, okay, let me try this. Let me turn it off and on. Let me reload it. And I have all that I know I could kind of mentally go through. But I am not a fan of go-to meetings. And if go-to meetings breaks down, then I'm like, ah, the end of the world. I'm never going to see these people again. And that's the sign of, of self you can see this idea that when a problems arise, I don't give up, but I rather say, let me mentally go through the potential ways of solving and let me seek out help from others. Let me call a friend or Google it and I'll find the answer. Um, and, and, and I think that is very domain specific that you might have a lot of self-efficacy in all these areas of your life and your finances. You just uh, don't have that sense of like, I can figure this out. So the idea there is that you want to strengthen that muscle somehow. Yeah. Practice confidence. And I can tell you, I, I messed up with finances a lot when I was younger, and I had very low financial self-efficacy. And it's one of those things that I think the more that you can have positive experiences doing it, that 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 feeling of, of achieving is really essential so it's all about doing, doing, um, rather than reading or talking about. <laughs> yeah. So when 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 Dave Ramsey talks about baby steps, is that essentially essentially a perfect iteration of this? Right. And BJ Fogg, um, he has a book called Tiny Habits, and I love it. He says pair something that is hard for you to do with something that. Easy. So if you love playing, uh, for me, I like to go on Twitter. If you like to go on Twitter, but you hate checking your bank account, just make it a deal that every time you get on Twitter, you have to open your bank account and, and kind of pair it with something that's easy to do. Nice. Yeah, that certainly does make sense right there. Um, <laughs> pairing Twitter with, 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 with going to my bank account, I, I think. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. I might have to circle back. <laughs> Um, what are some other examples of that? Um, of, <laughs> of tiny habits. Yeah. 
of tiny I'm trying to think of good examples um so in his book he talks a lot about <laughs> every time he flushed the toilet he would do just one push-up because once you get all the way down to pushing up once you might as well do two or three or four and that's what he found and so um i'm thinking about how we can associate like again the flushing the toilet is something that is just easy to do you have to do and it's a what he calls an anchoring moment and so any kind of thing you do often during the day automatically use that as an anchor to do something that is very uh difficult right now for you to do but make it the smallest baby step like you said like Dave Ramsey said uh, and make it the smallest baby step going in the right direction because once you open your bank account maybe it'll be easy to make that transfer from your checking and savings or whatever that kind of step that you or you need your clients to do yeah, it's interesting. I was just thinking in my head about things that I have a hard time with or, or things that constantly end up either at the bottom of my inbox or I just, you know, I'm 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 gonna set this aside and I'll eventually get around to it. Um, and those are the areas that, that we're really talking about is if you can create a small habit around that, that's how you're gonna start moving in the right direction. And that's true of diet and exercise like BJ was talking about with push ups, um, or whatever it is, or, you know, I've been meaning to update my budget or whatever. Right. Nice. I appreciate that. So uh, do, do, do you have favorite questions from a, a financial therapy standpoint that, 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 that you always encourage people to ask? Yeah. Especially when you're working with couples, my favorite question is ask both partners, what were the things that you respected about your parents' relationship with money that you want to bring forward into your relationship? And what are the things you're just ready to throw away and keep weighing them as? Um, because I think it provides some interesting insights. You know, there's the, one of the most common cognitive um, biases that we have is this actor-observer bias. And this is the um, cognitive bias where whenever we do something, we apply all, all the environmental factors that led us to do something. But when someone else does something, we immediately apply it to their personality. So if I'm tailgating, I'm like, I hope everybody recognizes that I'm late for school pickup and I don't want my daughter to upset. But if someone's tailgating me, I'm like, why did your mother raise you so poorly? <laughs> and so actor observer bias that we do all the time with our partners especially we do this thing where we're like oh he's so stingy just because he's a jerk or she's so stingy just because she doesn't love me and by asking that question to hear a little bit about the the best and the worst of their parents money situation you get you gain insights you're like oh he's not stingy because you know his he's mean it's because he's scared of the bankruptcy or he's scared of being like them or he's scared of blah 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 and she's not stingy because she doesn't but because she's working for a goal or blah 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 yeah so i really like that question. yeah i think that that's awesome right there and you start to go back and then then probably start connecting some dots about why it is that you're interacting with 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 money in a certain way and then yeah. from there hopefully you're able to say okay Maybe that's why I'm not where I want to be, or there's an opportunity to 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 to, to get better in that area. Yeah. Nice. So, for the program, um, tell me a little bit more about that. You are you are at at Kansas State. Do yeah. do financial professionals come come to, or is 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 it online? Tell me a little bit oh. about that. 
it's all online. So we um, have the financial therapy certificate, something that you can get standalone is also part of our master's program for people who want to maybe get their CFP marks or just get their entire master's program. So our master's program is set up that you can either, if you're new to CFP, get your CFP marks plus do financial therapy, or you can get your CFP marks and do advanced financial planning classes on taxes and things like that. Or if you already have your CFP marks, you can do financial therapy and advanced planning courses. But I digress. So our four financial therapy courses are all, all the master's programs online, and we have live classes. So it's not like um, a canned, you know, pre-recorded thing. But we're actually meeting on Zoom and discussing things. Um, and I love the curriculum. So we have, have a class on money and relationships that uh, tackles like how to talk to couples, how to navigate how to understand family dynamics and how that might be shaping behaviors, how to deal with conflict if it arises, whether it be between couples or between you and other loved ones. Um, then we have an intro to financial therapy course that talks a lot about um, how to ask the right questions, how to deal with resistance. And then we have a theory and research class, which is how to do interventions. If you want to go further down the spectrum towards uh, mental health, we have like all these different interventions. But most of my students just handpick a couple questions or techniques and kind of craft it to their own style. And then we have a behavioral finance class to kind of get into the cognitive biases that may be playing a part in everything. I love it. Excellent. So, yeah. Perfect. Well, Megan, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah. So I think that no matter how healthy your bank account is, my tip for everyone is to talk more about money with your loved ones. I did a study, and it blew me away that in my study, 90% of the participants hadn't talked to anybody in an entire year around money. And when you think about that, that means there's a loss of, of, of shape sharing information, of sharing tips, of sharing resources, but also a loss of understanding and insights and growth within the relationship. So go home and talk to someone about money, whether it's your kids. There's no, everybody asks me, what developmental age is okay to talk about money? I'm like, it's not sex. You can talk about money to any kid, any age. It's okay. <laughs> it's not dirty. And so go and talk to your kid or your spouse or somebody about money today, and it really will make a difference. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets to come on. Come on. <laughs> Megan, thank you so much for coming on. Where could Savage Nation learn more about you? Um, yes, you can go to my LinkedIn page or go to K-State's page. Um, and I don't know the address by heart, but if you Google Megan McCoy at K-State, um, my website will pop up. And I hope you guys read some of my readings on financial therapy and financial planning that can help you with your clients. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Megan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find Megan on LinkedIn and uh, the Kansas State site. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Megan. Thanks. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. I know how important it is for me to hit reset, to refocus, reprioritize, and even reprogram myself every quarter or so in order to make sure that my mind, my body, and my money are where they need to be. These days, we are all going hard constantly with so many demands on our time, our attention. And that's why I created the Strive Online Bootcamp, to be able to take a step back, to ensure that 
we're optimized in three key areas of our lives, our minds, our bodies, and our money. And I'd love for you to come with me on this two-week journey. You can click on the link in the notes of the show, or you can go to strivedetox.com. Check out the program. I'd love to have you a part of it.